This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello, this intro was coming to you from Newcastle. Yesterday, the boss and I got caught in the floods in Turry. Uh, it was pretty scary, actually. Like, literally, we were driving past a paddock and we saw a car floating beside us as if it was in a lake. And we went over this big bridge and the water level was almost at the height of the bridge and all you could see in the water were the very tops of trees. It felt very uh, horror movie-esque and boss made the call. He's like, we've got to get out of here. We were told to sleep on the side of the road near Pacific Highway because the Pacific Highway is blocked off at the moment. And um, boss was like, no, no, we've got to get safe. We've got to go to Newcastle. So we are waiting out here in Newcastle. But I do want to uh, send love to all those that are affected. I imagine it is really, really confronting and scary right now. And I thought long and hard about bringing out today's guest, but then I realised how inspiring they are and how incredible they are. And so it seems like the perfect time to put out a little inspiration into the universe. Zoe Tarakis is an activist, an actor. They are freaking incredible, if you ask me. Not just because of their incredible skill as an actor. We're talking theatre plays with the Australian greats, A View from the Bridge, A Doll's House Part 2, just name a couple. On top of that, if you're a Wentworth fan, you are absolutely going to know Zoe's work. And then the new uh, Nicole Kidman show, Nine Perfect Strangers, Zoe's in that too. And then, I keep saying, and then, and then, Zoe's only 21 years old. Zoe is a queer, non-binary trans actor. Zoe is unapologetically themselves. I can't tell you how inspired I was just kind of sitting in the presence of someone that is just so real. I said this to Zoe and I will say it again here. Zoe is going to make a dent on this world. A thousand percent. It is so rare that you see someone living so true to themselves and then fighting for other people to be able to live that same truth. Zoe, you had a massive impact on me and I know you're going to impact so many people. Keep doing whatever it is you dream to do because... You're one of the real ones. You're one of the magic ones. And this podcast was a total, total honour. Big love. Okay, Zoe Tarakis, I've got to say, (laughs) of all the podcasts I'm doing in this trip, I'm the most nervous to interview you (laughs) because I've become such a fan, not just from your work but for everything that you stand for. Thank you. So I know you're an actor, you're an activist. Yes. Can you, like, I've seen you do so many interviews where you just interview, where you introduce yourself, your pronoun. Mm-hmm. Can we start there? Yes, we can. Awesome. Um, hello, everyone. My name is Zoe Tarakis. I am an actor and do a bit of activism stuff. Um, my pronouns are they, them. Uh, I'm trans, non-binary, and I'm also an Aries. 
as it says on my shirt. <laughs> I knew this about you. I love that you're an Aries. So Aries, are they a fire sign? Yeah. Oh, big time. What are you? I'm a Virgo, so mm. super earthy. Yeah. And a bit OCD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know the first time I learned about you mm. is from one of my drama teachers, Ian, Ian Sinclair. Ian Sinclair, the man, the myth, the legend. Do you know what he had to say about you? What did he say? So he was taught, he said, listen, actors are usually a lazy mob. <laughs> and he's like, there's this one actor, though, <laughs> that is so driven, so tenacious and always kind of like on the go and work, like working towards something. He was talking about you. Mm, that's so lovely. And I've heard you speak about him. Yeah. And you've described Ian as like pure magic pretty much. Yeah. And you got to work with him. And this is the other thing I forgot to tell you before I press press record. Mm. I go around timelines, so I know you got to okay, work with sure. him on View from a Bridge. Yes, yes. How was that experience? And did you do it three times? Yeah, we did it more than three. We did it at the old Fitz. We did it at Glen Street. We did it at Melbourne Theatre Company. We did it at Ensemble Theatre and we did it at Wollongong Theatre. And Over Catherine two every single every time, time, right? Yeah, so the cast around me changed and the theatre changed but... Me and Ian were the two oh, consistent things. I'm so jealous you got that much time with Ian. Yeah, it was like drama school. Like I knew nothing yeah. before I started that job, like nothing. I remember in one of the first rehearsals <laughs> in the theatre for the first time we did it at the Fitz, Ian was like, Zoe, darling, can you get on voice? And I was like, what does that mean? And he was like, oh, God. <laughs> like I just knew nothing. Yeah, but that's a, but that's the, that's what I love about Ian. He nurtures an actor. Absolutely. So you wouldn't have felt... Bad about no, that. no. He just goes, okay. Well, I'll tell you. This is, you know yeah. what I mean. Like he was so generous. It was like three years of drama school in <gasps> two months or whatever it was. Oh. Um, and every time we did it, I felt like I was doing it again for the first time. Like I remember when we got to MTC for the the second version of it, and I was a little bit cocky because no one else had done it, and I was the only one who'd done the play before, and I was a bit like. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I was like, oh, my God, I don't, I don't know this version of the play. Like the play is so rich and deep and Ian is so remarkable that you have to start from square one again yeah. and learn it and love it all over again. And we found so much more in it the second time we did it. And then every time thereafter it was like deeper and richer and harder. Oh. Yeah, it was amazing. Didn't Ian pull you up at like – like I think the second round or something and he was like, you don't have your youth to just bounce yeah. around. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I, like, And I love that's the other thing about Ian. Anyone listening, I've done an interview with Ian mm. and he's just, yeah, incredible. But he's, I played Maggie from Cat on a Hot Tin mm. Roof and he w- worked with Ian on that just in class scene work yeah. and he was like, how sad you're never going to be in your 20s again. And I was like, <gasps> He doesn't hold back, But you man. get that moment, you yeah. know, and then you find exactly what Maggie needed, what you needed yeah, in that moment. Exactly. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's terrifying. And it, yeah. I think the first time we did it, I didn't have to do much because I was 17 yeah. and Catherine's 17. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, that comes for free. And then, yeah, that's what Ian said. He pulled me aside at MTC and he was like, and I was only 18. It was yeah. a year later. He was like, Zoe, the youth doesn't come for free yeah. anymore. <laughs> and I was like, what? It's only been a year. <laughs> and he was like, you've aged, like you've wised up, you've aged up. Uh, um, and so we had to find it another way, which ended up being so much more interesting because yeah. you find another in to her innocence yeah. and her youth, which I think is a way more interesting way of doing it anyway. Um, but, yeah, it was <laughs> cold shock. I love it. I love. I just love the brutal honesty. Yeah. That ends up being the best gift you could get. Mm-hmm. 
So, but before that, there's a few, because I'm like, oh, you've done so much great theatre stuff, but also so much amazing TV and film. But you had this experience, I think you were 14, you saw The Hanging, so you were Mm. in the audience. Yeah, I was 15, yeah. 15, and you related so heavily to what was going on. Was Was it the first kind of like... Punch in the guts kind of experience. Yeah, yeah. I had. I haven't really spoken about this before, um, but I had a really shocking eating disorder. I had yeah. really bad anorexia, and kind of didn't give a fuck about anything, you know, except being skinny. Um, and then saw this play with my godmother, and I was like, mm, "Fucking theater, fucking stupid." <laughs> and then, yeah, and then just sat down, and there's a moment in it where Ash Cummings, who played the lead, um, talks about, you know eating disorders in in high school and Mm. how they're so glamorized and I just it was the first time I'd had that feeling where I was like I felt like I had the wind knocked out of me and I burst into tears and I didn't stop crying till the end of the show and I I went up to the director Sarah after and I was like thank you so much that was amazing like I was just so moved and she was probably like who the fuck is this kid (laughs) this crying tiny human (laughs) um yeah and then from then on I was kind of like whoa, like that, I, I got better for starters. Um, so that has the capacity yeah. to change me and make me a better person and a healthier person and change my life. I want to do that for people. Yeah. And then like a year, year and a half later, I was working with Sarah at my Theatre Company. I love that. And then on opening night, didn't you On tell opening night that? I told her, yeah, I, I hadn't told her the whole time because I was a little bit, you know, embarrassed or whatever but we were I was living with her um when I was doing it and I still hadn't told her and then yeah opening I wrote her a letter and I was like I've never told you this but this is what your play did for me and you changed my life and you made me want to do this and now I'm here and it's like this weird full circle thing (sighs) how amazing is art though like (sighs) one of one of my teachers during COVID I trained at 16th Street, which mm. is Ian, but they got in some people from America and so Cody Fern came in. And oh, sure, yeah. Another Aussie and he was like, art's the one thing you can change people's hearts mm-hmm. with. Like, and that feels like you got that experience that like hit you absolutely. in the heart. Absolutely, absolutely. You know? Nothing, we, that's the thing, we turn to art. When science fails us, when the world fa- yeah. fails us, when medicine fails us, when people fail us, that's the first place we go. Yeah. We go to our favourite song or, you know, like our favourite movie. It's the cure. A hundred percent. Oh, I, I, there's so many way, like little kind of like <laughs> journeys we can go on here, but I want to ask about Janet King because was mm. that your first, that show, was that your first kind of like big get, not big get, but do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, like, it was my first audition. Yeah, and did, did you stuff up the first audition oh, I for it? So it? Hard. Lost I the line. So yeah, <laughs> I had, I wasn't even signed with the agent I was with at the time yet, and he was like, you know, just do this one as a practice. Like we'll see how you go and if you hate it then that's fine. We can leave it here and call it a day. And I was like, great. And then I, um, yeah, I did the audition and I went in there. I was so nervous. I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know what to do. Everyone around me was like NIDA graduates. Um, oh, that's intimidating. Yeah, and I was like this like scrawny little 16-year-old who'd never done this before and then went in there, forgot all my lines, but stayed in character because I didn't know what else to do. So I was just like, oh, line. Um, and then, yeah, and then was like, well, fuck that. That's the last time I ever set foot in a casting room. Like, pff, see you acting. And then got a call back and I was like, what? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And then in the callback, forgot my lines again in front of the director and the director, Pete Andrikides, was in, in there and he said, Zoe, do you smoke? And I was like, fuck, 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 
I've been caught. I mean, because I did. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know if he wanted me to say yes or to say no. And I was like, I, I can if you want me to. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and he was like, that's enough. And I was like, well, fuck that. And then I got it. And I was as confused as anyone um, and, like, had no idea what I was doing on that job. Like, I looked down the barrel of the camera in every take. You can probably see it in the final edit. Um, but everyone on that job was just, like, so welcoming oh. and made me feel so at home. And it, it was so exciting because it felt like, you know, finally you find a group of people that speak your language. Yeah. And, like, you know, Andrea Dimitriades is still one of my closest <sighs> friends and you make family. And you play your character's name was Pearl, right? Yeah. yeah. It felt like a pretty, from what I saw, like pretty heavy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> plot for your character. I was like, man, that's, and if that's your first, like you're cutting yeah. your teeth on that character. Really. Yeah. It was pretty hectic. Like she, um, she is homeless and then has to live with this guy who's sexually assaulting her. And I had also just raised, like just at the time had a, really intense experience with stuff like that so I was like fucking hell. Oh, like and I didn't yeah. know how to separate it yet yeah. and so yeah it was a lot it was a steep learning curve um but yeah again the people made it so worth it oh. and just helped me to understand how to do that shit and I still don't know I'm still terrible at that part of it but oh, you no. know well I've heard you speak before and I think this is an Ian thing but I've heard you say you try not to let any roles cost you too much emotionally like you're like play intention go hard yeah as opposed to like method and oh yeah no I'm not a method at all but I also think sometimes they just come home with you and you can't help it like there was some versions of you from the bridge where I didn't feel Catherine come home with me and then some nights particularly in that first one and in Melbourne where I was just like fuck get off me like I would have a shower and be like, go away. You're done now. I see you tomorrow. Like, fuck off. I've um, heard you say about Catherine, your, your body doesn't, like it still feels like yeah, it's had an anxiety attack yeah. even though you, psycho, like Zoe, psychologically knows, yeah. hey, I'm acting right yeah. now. Yeah, you know, like, well, it's Miller, man. Yeah. It just gets under your skin. Like I went to, the first time we did it, I um afterwards all my friends were on schoolies and I was like, I'm going to go to New York. <laughs> went to New York and I went to the address in the play no. and I was like, go home. Go home now. You're done. Um, and oh, then I, I had to do it again. <laughs> I was like, all right, come back. Come yeah. um, that sounds so cathartic though. I yeah, it was. I just bawled my eyes out because, um, you know, it's a it's a true story yeah. of you from the bridge. It's a true story um, pieced oh. together from stories to that time. So I was like, it, it really sticks to you. And it was the same with Wentworth as well, um, the – some characters you just can't scrub off. Oh, I cannot wait to talk to you about Wentworth. <laughs> I have been. I think Reb is a mate, like, oh, and the love. Yeah, like, he's oh. so cute. So, yeah. Okay, well then let's, uh, before we talk about Wentworth, because mm. I, I, from what I've heard, when you came out as non-binary was, and then after that happened, then Wentworth kind of came. So, yeah. and you've described like, Coming out as gay is one thing and mm. then coming out as non-binary is a whole nother yeah, thing. Yeah. Can you share a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It was on um, – I'd been in Europe for a month. So I did Doll's House Part 2 at Melbourne Theatre Company with yeah. Sarah and yeah. Martha and all my friends were on Gap Year. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to go have Gap Month. And so <laughs> I like got the money that I earned on that and I flew to Europe and I, I was with my best mate Sophie most of the time. Um I remember this one day I was like bought a new shirt and I was wearing a sports bra under the shirt. And so he was like, why are you wearing a normal bra? And I was like, 
I'm fucking no wine. You won't shut up. <laughs> Shush. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, it was the first time I've been like, oh, why? Do, that's weird. Maybe that's not weird. I don't know. And then I had to fly back from Europe to the Gold Coast to shoot The End, which is a new Foxtel series that just mm-hmm. came out that I'm in a couple of episodes of. Um, and I had no money <laughs> because I'd spent it all in fucking Italy. Um, that's idiot. Cool, yeah. That's called being 18. Yeah. Um, and then I was in this hotel room for like a week and a half and I didn't have that many shoot days. So I had a lot of thinking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading She Wants It by Joey Soloway, yeah. which is who, the creator of Transparent. And it just described being non-binary in the simplest of ways. And I call it the gender void, which is like, the deep, dark place you fall down when you start to think about gender and once you start, you can't stop. It's yeah. like Pandora's box. Yeah. And I just fell down it and I was like, oh, my God, like what's happened? Oh, God. And like the guy who was, I was, play, who was playing my boyfriend, my kind of this guy kissing the show was trans and seeing him be so authentically himself yeah. on set and everyone just like see him as a guy. I was like, this is available to me. Yeah. I didn't even know this was available to me. Um and then I came home to Sydney and I saw my friends who were all back from Europe and I just said to them, like, this, this is weird. And we didn't have any non-binary friends. You know, these were my school friends. And I was like, can you just try use they, them for me? And I might hate it and I'll just tell you to shut up and we never talked about it. Yeah. But just try. And I was like yeah. five people. Yeah. And they started doing it and I was like, fuck, that feels really good. Yeah. Like it feels like hearing your own name. Um. Yeah, and then from then on it kind of just grew and grew and grew and it's you start to sit in yourself a different way and it's mm. still a journey. Like I still have no idea where this will end, if it will ever end. I still get confused on the daily. But that makes it. me feel that that makes me feel better hearing you say that because I was even so wor- I was like, I don't want to say the wrong thing, mm, but I no. also want to show so much respect and I'm here to learn as much as yeah. I can too. But I was talking to a friend of mine that's an actor and he is about 60 Mm. and he was like, oh, no, well, when I was acting in my 20s, I wasn't allowed to come out as gay yeah, because I wouldn't get the roles. Yeah. And I was like, far out. Like Mm -hmm. it's just messed up that that's even a thing. Yeah, and it still is, you know. Like it still is. I I don't get seen for that many straight roles still, which I'm, you know, it's fine. I don't really give a shit. Um, I'll play anything. But... I did notice a shift and, you know, I was warned. Everyone was like, you know, it'll change what you get seen for. And I was like, well, I don't understand what the alternative is because I'm not going to hide. And isn't acting about being connected to your truth anyway? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I still have faith that, you know, I mean, in Nine Perfect Strangers I kind of played a cis straight lady. So, you know, like it's you kind of you still eventually it'll balance out again. I think initially everyone just goes, oh, great, like a trans person. Here's all the trans things ever. Yeah. And you're like, "Ah, I can't bear the whole weight of the whole trans community, bro. It's just me. (laughs) Oh, wow. So with when, so you, so when you came out Mm. as being trans, when you know, when you came out as being Uh non-binary, that's when Wentworth came. Like it was about. It was end of 2018 that I came out as non-binary just to people in my life and Mm. then told my parents a bit later and then I told, you know, the internet. (laughs) Um, And then it was probably halfway through 2019 that I heard about this role. And I didn't originally, I wasn't, they weren't going to see me for it. They were going to see me for another role. Mm -hmm. 
But like I had been hell bent on Wentworth since I started oh, acting. Like I can see why. Oh my god! <laughs> like I went the, when I had my first meeting with Shanahan's. I was like. I want to be on Wentworth. I don't want to be on Home and Away. I want to be on Wentworth. And they were like, okay, well, we'll try and make that happen. I was like, nope, I'm going to be on Wentworth. And then I heard about this role and it was, you know, oh. trans and he experienced gender in the same way I did. And I was like, well, I simply have to do it. Like I simply have to. Yeah. And then I found out Kate was playing the partner. Yeah. And Kate, you know, has been long time one of my favourite actors and humans. Um, and Kate kind of helped me come out as well. Um, so I had a very special place yeah. in my heart. And I was like, well, I it's simply there's no choice in this. Like I will play this role. Yeah. <laughs> and I just hustled my way in and they weren't going to see me because I was 10 years too young for it um, and everyone they were seeing was older and not trans to be honest. Um, yeah, and I just like I was so nervous. I've never been that nervous really? for an audition before. Yeah, I thought I like I was like I had to go over to my friend Caroline Brazier's house the night before and I was like, Cass, I don't know what to do. I feel like I can't drop in. I can't access it. And she was like, you need a stiff drink, babes. And I had a vodka and I was like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so then it all kind of, I did the audition and it went well and then I did the callback and Kate and I had really rad chemistry. And, ah, yeah. Um, then they went quiet for so long and I was like, bless Kath Ebbs, man. I was hell. I was like, maybe they'll call now. Maybe, like, I, I was not present because I was just checking my phone for like two months. I was checking my phone and then I was like, fuck this and I wrote an email. Did you? Yeah, I emailed the producers. I was like, hey, um, like I was basically just saying thank you for putting this role out into the world but also I hope you know that this means a great deal to me yeah. um, and would mean a great deal to the community to have somebody who identifies that way tell this story. And then the next day I got the offer. Oh, dang. Yeah. There's something like where, the second you said yes during this podcast, I was like, yes, I get to binge <laughs> Wentworth. <laughs> and it was such a joy to watch Reb but also Lou like, yeah. and the, like, the camaraderie, like it was just, it yeah. just was so, it was like such an anchoring point because like Wentworth is very crazy. Like yeah. there's so much chaos and yeah. going on, but it was just like, I don't know, I just love the love as yeah. well. It's a big love. I, I love the way that you talk about the importance of casting trans people in trans roles and you've been super vocal about that. Yeah. And that's obviously an example of your character Reb in Wentworth. Mm-hmm. But what I loved, and I actually saw it on Conversations with Kat, mm. you were like, it's not just the actor and the, it's like trans people in costume. It's like it has to go the whole yeah. and people of colour and everything. Yeah. Like, and when I saw that I was like, oh, my, like it's so easy to think almost like tunnel vision. Yeah, totally. we, we need more representation out yeah. there. We need, I remember when I was in an um, acting class, someone's like, well, you're 35, like you got three more years and you just play a mum. <gasps> and I was like, dagger in my oh, heart, right? No, not true. Right. I mean, in Australia it's a pretty <laughs> backwards place in terms of age and race and all of it. But, yeah, unfortunately that is Australia. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's such – I think it's bullshit. I yeah. think I think – the, of course, representation matters and, and face value. It is so important to see trans people, people of colour, particularly trans people of colour, forefronting these shows. But I I resent the fact that when I got on set, I had to explain what a binder was. Yeah. I had to explain why I don't think Reb needed to be 
um, packing. Like I, yeah. I had to explain what those words meant um, because if you had one trans person in any department, yeah, they'd be, be able to tell you, yeah. you know. And I was lucky enough to have um, my hair and makeup artist, Banan, this fucking incredible queer woman um, who just – it just meant we had a shorthand because she instantly understood what I was talking about and what I meant and, like, every time she did my hair in the morning she'd just go, there he is, you oh. know, and just to be gendered correctly, you know, yeah. or your character to be gendered correctly is such an affirming thing to have every morning, oh. you know. I've heard you say in interviews that you personally have learned so much from Reb and mm. from playing Reb and I love that side of it as well. What's, yeah. the, what's the thing you've learned from Reb? I mean, it was not... <laughs> It wasn't so like kind of easy and sunshine and and nice. It was it was really hard for a while. When I first started, I would wake up every morning and the first thing I thought was, "Am I a boy? Am I a boy? Do I feel like a boy today? Am I a boy?" And it's still something I really struggle with. Like I don't know. I don't know if I'm a boy. I I don't know. Um, I know right now they them feels good, and I know I feel like a guy. I don't think I feel like a man. I don't know. It's something I'm still working out. But playing. Reb was so fucking confusing for that reason because yeah. I was being referred to as a guy all day and it felt really good and it still yeah. feels good. Um, yeah, and then I, I was on the beach one day because we lived on, on Port Melbourne on the beach and yeah. me and Radaway Hick, who's Ruby Mitchell in Wentworth, I was sitting there and I just burst into tears and I was like, I'm so lost. Like I'm so lost. I feel so lost in Reb. I, I feel like I'm losing touch with myself um, and she just kind of, grabbed my face and calmed me down and she was like, whenever I come home from work, I ask myself, who does this belong to? Who does this feeling belong to? Is this Ruby's or Radi's? Okay, that's Ruby's. I'm going to give it back to her. And that little tiny thing saved my fucking ass. Like, and so every day when I came home from work or when I woke up and I felt so gender confused mm. and so dark, I just would stop, you know, it's a fucking heavy material, yeah, you know, yeah, like he gets totally. raped and the yeah. rest. Um, yeah, and I would just say, who does this belong to? Is this Reb's or is this mine? I think it's Reb's. I'm going to give it back to mm. him and I'll pick it up tomorrow. Yeah. And it doesn't always work, you know. I've still got gender issues. <laughs> fucking, yeah, you know, not even doing it. But It also psychologically protects Zoe. Absolutely. So that you can function yeah. as a human being and then be able to kind of like give back to Reb totally. when you're on set. Yeah, and like I think it's a bit to. extra hard when you're living, you know, alone in a service department away from your people. And I have a lot of people in Melbourne but no one that I lived with. And so you kind of just – it's very easy to accidentally stay in it. Yeah, You know, because totally. you go home and you got to learn your lines. So you've yeah. got to stay in a little bit more. And yeah. then it's, you know, 9 p.m. and you've got to get up at 4 a.m. to go yeah. back to work. So it's pretty easy to slip into it yeah. and stay in it. Um but I'm very glad that I stopped doing that because <laughs> yeah. not sustainable. So fa- oh, this is so so fascinating. <laughs> uh, so got to talk we'll, right before we hit record on this. Byron Bay, you've been in Byron mm, Bay recently mm-hmm. doing Nine Perfect Strangers, and I was trying to find anything I could on <laughs> Nine Perfect Strangers. <laughs> not much. All I could see was Melissa McCarthy do an interview saying. I love working with such a wonderful group of weirdos. Yeah, that was the time. That was the brief. (laughs) Everyone was so fucking weird, like in the best way. Like, thank God. It was just like the strangest, most miraculous group of people. Really? Yeah, and everyone just got each other. Like the the second we started, we were just like, oh, you're all fucking weird. This is going to work. You know, like I felt 
Usually I feel like kind of funny in a room. In that room, I was like, I'm not going to dare crack a joke because I will be stood up. Like they are just the funniest people. You know, you've got like Melissa, you've got Regina Hall, Grace Van Patten, like – Fuck off. You know what I mean? Are you so pumped though to be like you're rubbing shoulders with like we're talking Hollywood greats yeah, right now? Yeah, it was pretty surreal. My first day I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, Nicole came up to me and I was like, hi. Um, and same with Melissa. And Melissa is just, she's fucking incredible. She's fast. Fast man, brain. Her yeah. acting, I just, I don't know how she does it. Like there was one day on set where I was like, I. But how are you doing that? Yeah. Like how? How are you doing that? Um, all of them, you know, oh. Regina Hall, Bobby Carnavali, Michael oh. Shannon, like fuck off. They're just the greats. <gasps> Tiffany Boone. Um, Luke Evans is on it Luke, too, yeah, beautiful yeah. Luke. Yeah, it, it was – I don't have a great deal to do in that show but just to sit back and watch everyone yeah. all day. Like I've, I, I, I remember I did an audition about a quarter of the way through the shoot and I was like, oh, God, I don't know how this is going to be. And I was so much better. Like my acting was so much better. And I was like, why am I better? And I was like, oh, because I've pretty much been in an audit for five months. You know what I mean? Like with the finest actors in Hollywood. That's why I'm better because they just rub off on you. And you were shooting at SOMA, weren't you? That incredible Uh retreat in – it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I did a, a recce of it recently because I teach yoga and I'm mm. looking for a spot to a retreat and they're like, now we built this for Nicole Kidman's character especially. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel like I'm getting a real like BTS. <laughs> they've changed the retreat like because mm-hmm. they've built sets around it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So I, I, I'm sure you get asked, actually I know you get asked this because I've listened to every single podcast you've ever done. <laughs> I'm very Virgo with that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but would you say like. Because I feel like theatre's in your bones. Like mm. theatre is probably how you've, especially doing school with Ian pretty much. Yeah. Would you say like do you prefer the medium and like the pace of TV or are you like love to get into the, because not, yeah. right, there are actors that can do both, which clearly you can, but that's also like a rare talent, you know. I mean all my favourite actors are theatre actors. Yeah. Especially in Australia. Like, yeah. Kate Box, Helen Thompson, Blazy Best, like all the people that I get really excited to watch in anything are theatre actors. I think you fall in love with a theatre actor harder than you can fall in love with a screen actor. Like I've never, the response I will have to an amazing performance in theatre, like that I, when I see somebody do a great piece of theatre, I've never had that with a movie. Got it. You know, like yeah, it's always more yeah. visceral when it's theatre because yeah. you feel like somebody's just done it for you and they fucking have. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's so much more personal. So I, I, I don't I don't know how to answer that question. I feel like I approach everything like it's theatre. Yep. Even, even screen, I just think if you have – and you know, I don't have much theatre background. I've done like a couple of plays but, but – Also it's like a, with – Pretty incredible people. Yeah, like totally. Sarah like, and so I, yeah, yeah, and Ian, Sarah yeah. and Ian, like, changed my life and changed the way and I so act. so young. Like, you've been given these gifts so, so young. Yeah, which with, like, sets you up grades. really well. And even Ian, from what I've learned, like, his work ethic as well. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, how can I translate this to, like, an audition? Screen audition is, like, yeah. know it six different ways and be able to do it on the spot. Yeah. And I was like, oh. You know, like, so yeah. just, they don't even need to think. They just are. Yeah. Um. There's something you shared about Kate Box and how Kate inspired you to, like, take that plunge to come out as non-binary, mm-hmm. I'm quite sure. To come out as gay. Was it yeah. coming out as gay? And she was – was it that it was be that person for someone 
else. Yeah, that's what that was what she said. Yeah, I, I called I called Kate. Um, this is twenty seventeen. I'd seen them in a show. I'd seen them in Cloud Nine, and just so fucking good. Uh. And it like just that show as well. It was another one where I was like, oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, and then my friend Anita was like, oh, Kate's gay, and I was like, what? I have. I, I just didn't know I had somebody to look up to. Like yeah. I thought. I was inventing the wheel here and I fucking wasn't. <laughs> um, and I I got put in contact with Kate through a mutual friend and we had a phone call and Kate said, yeah, they just said, you know, you have me to call because I did it. So go and be that person for um, someone else. And then yeah. that night I posted a photo of me kissing my best friend on Instagram. I'll I was like, fuck thing. it. Yeah. yeah. My friend Kate Zwa. Thank you, Kate Zwa. I, um, there's a photo of us kissing and I was like, meh. Yeah, you go, world. <laughs> I was just so inspired. Yeah. I'd, I'd been, you know, I'd only been hiding it to the industry and, you know, hiding it. I was like, hadn't fucking done anything. But for, you know, under a year. But that was enough for yeah. me to go like, I can't I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm sick of not being able to post photos of the person I'm seeing. You know, totally. fuck that. Out of everybody I've interviewed and I'm just about to record my 100th episode... <laughs> You are so real and it's this, like, unapologetic realness that, like, please don't ever change that. It is Thank so inspired. Like, hearing these stories and everything you're sharing, it inspires me just mm. to be, have no filter mm. in just life in general. Like, aside from gender, like, in mm. life, imagine just, like, living not, like, like, I think we get so scared of judgment and, like, especially, how you know, being gay, worrying that that might affect your career. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, totally. Just having that gone, like that weight gone, you yeah. can rock out. Like you can go to any audition and just be like, hey, yeah. I'm Zoe. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Like that's got to be pretty free. And I think I think being gay and being trans kind of backs you in a corner with that stuff because you've got no choice. Yeah. Like you literally just have to go – because you live your life with people knowing people don't agree with your existence and knowing some people would rather you were dead. And so you kind of just have to go like, fuck you then. This is who I am. If you don't like it, fine by me. Get in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also there's a lot of people who do like it and who feel liberated by it and seen by it. So fuck you, take me or leave me. Like, you know. <laughs> exactly. But also like I I was saying this to my boyfriend before how I was quite nervous because I would be classified and please correct me if I'm wrong, but like I'm straight mm -hmm. so I would be a cis heterosexual, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I describe mm -hmm. myself. But, like, everything you're sharing inspires me mm -hmm. to be a better human. So, Thank like, you. I want you to know that everybody, because I think this is where art comes into it as well, but yeah. I think, like, if you're true, live from the heart, you're real, you work bloody hard as well, like, good good shit will happen to you. Yeah. But it's so rare that you get people just, like, unapologetically being themselves and I just want to thank you for that because it is you. so, so inspiring. For people that could be listening now that are like, oh, like I want to I want to do this thing, yeah. I want to come out, but it's so freaking scary because mm. I've heard you had a great uh, experience coming out to friends and family, uh -huh. like super supported. Very and, lucky, yeah. And not everybody has that experience. Absolutely not. So what would your like uh, two questions. Mm. First one is like what's your advice to people that are just feeling a bit stuck? Mm -hmm. And the second thing is how can we normalise and just make it like, why is it even a thing? Why can't we just ask people their pronoun when we meet yeah. them? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a massive question. It's it's 
I don't know, it's so hard. It's something I get a lot of messages on Instagram about like, you know, people being like my my family don't accept me and I don't know what to do and I feel trapped and I feel stuck and I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say because it's just fucked and yeah. awful and uh, I don't know. It reminds me of this. Have you seen It's a Sin? No. Oh, you've got to watch I it. Will. It's on I stand. Will. There's this speech at the end. Spoiler alert, sorry. Um, <laughs> the, the the lead woman gives to this boy who's died of AIDS, his mum, and she basically just talks about all the men in, you know, set in the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, in the AIDS crisis and all the men in the hospitals that are dying alone. Mm-hmm. And she basically just says, like, you have to understand that a little part of them thinks they deserve it and they think they deserve it because of people like you. Mm-hmm. because you made them think they deserve it by not loving them because of it. And I know it sounds so fucking harsh, especially out of context, but that's how people who don't respect this stuff should be spoken to. Yeah. And that's how parents of, you know, if, if, if you're a parent and you wouldn't love your kid if they were trans, don't fucking have kids. 100%. And I feel so strongly yeah, yeah, yeah. about that. Like you do not deserve to be a parent. You do not deserve to bring a small person into yeah. this world. I've never said this before. I broke up with a guy once because I had a feeling that he was quite homophobic. Mm. And I was like, what if we had a kid one day and they're like, hey, mum, dad, I'm gay. Mm. He was like, well, I wouldn't be happy about it. And I was like, <gasps> see ya. I <gasps> broke up on the spot. Yeah. I was like, to. I would be wrapped. I would just yeah. be like, you be you and never. But it's a gift. Such a gay gift. kids are fucking better. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I've got to say something that I reckon you're going to love. Mm. Uh, first day of acting school, uh, there's a teacher at 16th Street called Julia Grace. Yeah, I know Julia, yeah. And first day, sat down in a circle and she's like, name, pronoun. Yeah. For, like before any classes started. Mm-hmm. Like how, and make, like I know yeah. that that, that needs to be the norm, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's such a refreshing thing when it happens. Ian does that too on first day of rehearsals and Sarah. Um, but I think that uh, this really cool thing happened in Byron. We, there was this queer meetup thing that me and Kath went to and everyone was asking each other's pronouns and this one person, I, I was like, hey, man, what are your pronouns? And they were like, I actually haven't checked in with myself yet. Can I get back to you? I was like, that is so <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah. Like yeah. to be that in touch with yourself to say like I haven't asked myself what my pronouns are today. Yeah. Like I just thought it was incredible because they're clearly in a place where they haven't decided or maybe they won't decide and maybe a couple of pronouns are feeling good at the moment. Ah. Like I wish I had that confidence. I'm like, they them, they them, them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so oh, cool. So, like, yeah, I just think. I think you're incredible, and I'm. I'm ser- I honestly believe that you are gonna really put a dent on this world Thank in you. the best possible way. And I know I've said this to you in the past via Instagram. Yeah. I want you to write a book. You've got a book in you, my friend. <laughs> I, I know that know. makes people really it's embarrassed. So embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, big yeah. time. And please just keep doing what you're doing because I think you. you are friggin' incredible. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And, of course, spread the love. Spread the love.